and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, episode 47. My name is Mark Champlin, and today, of all days, I'm joined by Alex Wallace. What's up, girls and gays? I just I, I just woke up from one of those, like, good 30-minute depression naps, you know, where you just, like, <laughs> pass out on a couch in, like, the middle of the day, and then I woke up, and my girlfriend had made soup, and I am just so fucking ready to complain about the class politics of Wreck-It Ralph for 30 to 45 minutes. I find that depression naps are either 26 minutes or four hours. (laughs) Yeah, there really is no in-between there. You either wake up after, like, the first half hour and you're like, you know what, I can do the rest of today. Like, you know, like, I was having a rough one go of it, but I can pull it together, I can make this happen. Or you wake up after the first 30 minutes and you're like, oh, fuck, oh, no, fuck that shit. I'm going, mm, nope. What do we want this week, Mark? Sleep for lunch again. Anyway, um, <laughs> God, that was depressing. That was a dark <laughs> intro for the Wreck-It Ralph episode. I'm not even well, that depressed dark- today. I just called it a depression nap because it's funny. <laughs> well, it's a dark, dark movie. Just kidding. It's not that dark. Um, Wreck-It Ralph is from 2012, and it is an American 3D computer animated comedy film produced by... Not Pixar. I thought this was Pixar until today. Uh, <laughs> Walt Disney Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Um, it is apparently the 52nd Disney animated feature film. And do, do these not count Pixar? What even is Disney Animated Studios anymore? Because they made Frozen and that's also that also was made with what with the computer animation. Yeah, they also it's made... All, it's all CG now. <laughs> they also made Avengers Endgame, which is also an animated film. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. I it, it, I was I was fully animated by how angry Thor in that movie made me. <laughs> um anyway, um <laughs> we'll talk about it at some point not on this podcast, on the bonus episode. Um what I thought was cool I just learned was that it was directed directed by Rich Moore who also directed episodes of The Simpsons and Futurama, which I kind of remarked that I think this movie has Futurama kind of written all over it mm-hmm. in lots of good ways. Uh, just the timing of some of the jokes is just very Futurama. I don't know. It's yeah. it's specifically Futurama. If you've seen it, you, you, you get it. Yeah. Um, the film features all-star voice cast of John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, Jack McBrayer, and Jane Lynch. Um, <laughs> I think that this movie was very well cast, even though we have, both have problems with the Jane Lynch character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the, you know, the four core voices of this, all very well cast. I love Sarah Silverman. I love... Um, John C. Riley in this movie. Um, yeah, there, there is like lots a, of positives. There is yeah. like a there is like an extremely uh, dikey corner of my brain that just like shuts off when Sarah Silverman starts talking. Like, <laughs> just like I'm just there. I'm just too gay and I'm just too charmed by her. I, like, yeah, I can't yes. handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the just the wish she does for this is just it has that vocal fry that that she can just do so well. Yeah, it's just so charming. Yeah, it. it really is. Um, so I'm going to run through the plot here, like, pretty quickly. I'm going to, like, I think we're going to broadly assume that if you're listening to this episode, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen Wreck-It Ralph. If you haven't, go watch Wreck-It Ralph. It's 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 fun. Uh, but in case you haven't and you're like, I'm going to listen to the Wreck-It Ralph podcast anyway, because I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so, so Wreck-It Ralph, who's played by John C. Riley, he's, he's the bad guy in an arcade game called Fix-It Felix Jr., and they're living in a sort of like arcade osmosis jones kind of situation you know their their job is to be in the arcade game 
Uh, and in the plot of Fix-It Felix Jr., Wreck-It Ralph lives in a dump and everyone hates him. And then in his actual life, he lives in a dump and everyone hates him. And it's pretty fucked up. Um, and so he, he, he leaves his own game uh, to, to go travel to other arcade games. And he wants to become a hero so that everyone will really like him. And leaving your own game and going to do other shit and breaking roles, that's like a serious social faux pas here in the arcade uh, and, and so people are not super happy about that. Uh, and then along the way, he makes friends with Sarah Silverman, and they gotta win a kart race together. And that's, that's pretty much all you need to know. We'll kind of hit on the more important points as we go through it. Um, so I've seen this movie, this is probably like the fifth or sixth time I've seen it, maybe. So I, I want to hear wow. what, what, what your thoughts were on this one. Uh, and, and, and a little bit of your backstory with this movie, uh, which you mentioned <laughs> last episode, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, if you hadn't heard the ending of last episode, um, I did talk about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, fall and winter of 2012 was an interesting time in my life. And all the movies that came out during that time are ingrained in my brain forever. I could list them. It's Lincoln. It's the, the 3D <laughs> version of Monsters, Inc. It's this movie. And it is the last um, uh the 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 last twilight movie oh, i've man. seen the beginning middle and end of those movies 700 times i was working <laughs> in a movie theater at the time and i was cleaning theaters and doing head counts so i saw the very beginning i could when i saw the beginning of this movie i was like oh i bet i could still recite this and it turns out i could <laughs> still recite the beginning of this movie but i'd never seen it all the way through so i was very excited uh, to give it a go turns out it's a pretty good movie. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. The, the 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 unique perspective, I guess it's not a unique perspective, but the thing that I would say, and, and we'll get to this more in depth, I guess, a little bit, but um, I really think that this is just like a pop culture love letter movie that's mm -hmm. done very well. Yeah. And uh, the, be the best thing about this movie is that while it does have lots of pop culture references... It's really like an honor. Um, it's a, it's it honors video game kind of culture in a way that respects my intelligence by by presenting cool new stuff that I would think, oh, that's something that would be cool if this was in real life. My, my favorite example of this is the game Sugar Rush, which is a kart racer. It's like an arcade kart racing game. It's clearly very influenced by Mario Kart. They got items. They drive through item boxes, and they, and it gives them like sugar-related sweet guns and <laughs> yeah. shit like that. I just think that that game looks fucking dope, and like the the song is like a very like J-pop inspired yeah. type of like arcade sounding thing. It just all the all the unique stuff in this movie, even the game Fix It Felix Jr. It it sounds like something that could easily have been something in a real arcade, mm -hmm. and that that really uh, that really raised the bar for me, and uh, kind of made other pop culture reference movies look shitty by comparison. Yeah, yeah. So I do I do want to kind of talk about this film in the context of some of the other films that we've watched for this podcast, namely uh, Pixels and Ready Player One. Um, yes. And 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 the the main thing that kind of sets this apart from those films is like there is a degree of like reverence and respect for the source material that they're that they're using and it's also that like 
the the references to actual real video games the the nods and and all of that stuff the appearance of like oh you know ryu is there he's gonna be in the background mario is only mentioned once bowser appears but doesn't speak uh sonic shows up for five seconds to explain how death works <laughs> yeah the fact that they had sonic doing a psa is like just like a letter a love letter to the fact that sonic did psas yeah. in an old cartoon yeah and it, it's 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 you know in pixels and, and ready player one as well but especially in pixels the the references are pac-man shows up and then adam adam sandler turns to the camera and goes Aw, man, it's Pac-Man, and you're supposed to be like, I also know what Pac-Man is, and, and, and apparently that is supposed to distribute dopamine into your brain. Um, this film, I think you put it best, this film respects your intelligence. This film doesn't right. think that it can just dangle shiny keys in front of you and expect you to, you know, like, enjoy that for what it is. It puts effort into having relatable characters it puts effort into making sure that the original games that were created for the film wreck it ralph are interesting are nuanced have you know great art design like the sh you mentioned sugar rush like every single character in sugar rush is made out of a dessert they got they got the cops that are made out of donuts you know they got the they got the they got sour bill who's like a you know like a sour candy who's an asshole you know they like there's a there's a degree of love put into this film that movies like Pixels and Ready Player One, like, sorely lack. Um, and I think it is, like, a very, you know, I, we're going to get to it. We both have beef with this film, but it, it is really a, an enjoyable film the whole way through, I think. Yeah, the, the, the last thing I'll say about the whole pop culture thing is that this movie like 100% could stand on its own if they removed like the little Metal Gear Solid reference, if they mm -hmm. removed like the little mushroom, if Sonic wasn't in this movie, this movie could would easily stand on its own um, and it wouldn't need any of that shit and it would be just as enjoyable. Like it's a little cherry on top that you, that you get to see the little Metal Gear Solid reference, the little Final Fantasy reference in the graffiti on the wall. That's like a fun, oh, hey, like, cool. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Like, but it doesn't need to be there. They don't get it's in not the way key to the movie. Yeah, like Ready Player One. Like, what the fuck would that movie be if it didn't have yeah. fucking Pixel Iron Giant walking? Yeah, around. <laughs> Pixels and Ready Player One are movies about pop culture references. This is a movie that has pop culture references in it, but it is not about those pop culture references. Um, yeah. And so now we've spent about like seven or eight minutes talking about how much we like this movie, uh, and then I think we're going to spend the rest of the episode trashing it uh, because yeah, be because we're because we're SJW killjoys, yeah. and that's kind of what you're here for. It's true, <laughs> but it's also just like, look, y'all, this movie came out in 2012, and everybody told you it was good. Then you don't need us to tell you that Wreck It Ralph looks awesome, has yeah. great music, and has great writing, and is a funny and enjoyable film. Everybody already fucking knows that. So we're going to talk about all the things that we hate about it instead because that's a lot more interesting to me <laughs> it is it is interesting uh one more good thing i like that the cops in this movie act like cops uh they just walk up to dudes and just beat them with nightsticks yeah. uh without having any evidence uh that's all i want to say about that i thought that was nice yeah that's a, that's a, that's <laughs> that's the least liberal thing about this movie and we'll get to it this is this is an incredibly yeah, fucking liberal film man <laughs> that, that it, that's that's our fuck cops minute here on ccc <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you, we got to have one per episode. Yeah, just in case there was any question uh, from anybody <laughs> out there in Triple C Nation who's like a libertarian or something. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Um, so we mentioned the Jane Lynch character earlier. Um, so, okay. 
so Jane Lynch in this movie um, is playing a like military commander type. She's from like a Gears of War knockoff game called Heroes Duty. And she's like this very stern and angry military leader to kind of contrast with like Fixit Felix, who's played by the dude from 30 Rock that's really weird. And like, you know, Wreck-It Ralph and all these characters who are kind of bright and colorful. She's the sort of like dark, edgy video game character that they put in there. Um, and I fucking hate this character. <laughs> I really, really hate this character. Um, and I think the, the main thing is I have a lot of beef with the trope of the female character who is like quote unquote empowered by basically just like acting the way that a toxically masculine man acts like you know the first time that we see this character you know she's like standing in front of all of her troops and like lecturing them and calling them ladies and saying how they're gonna cry in their little girl pants and like putting women down in order to motivate these men. Um, and I hate that shit. I hate that the way that people choose to show that a woman is empowered, to show that a woman is like kick-ass and badass, is to be like, she's not like those other girls, you know? She, she, <laughs> she makes fun of women too. She also thinks women are weak and comparing men to women is comparing them in a negative light. Like it's, I hate that God. shit. I hate that shit. It's it's so tired and it's so overused that it's we're 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 past the point where even like parodying this is like acceptable because yeah. it's just that obnoxious. Yeah, it it it, ugh, it it doesn't work for me. And the other thing is like, are we seriously supposed to fucking believe that this woman is a heterosexual? Yeah, <laughs> that that's the thing. It's what the and fuck? I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that straight women can't have that hair but like (laughs) in my experience no um (laughs) what i what i am saying is that like they they cast jane lynch right and they they made this character actress you know and they made this character look exactly fucking like her Mm -hmm. it's it's a little weird that they i don't know maybe calling this character queer coded is a little bit of a stretch I'm I'm not necessarily willing to go all the way there, but it's just, you you watch it and your brain, despite all your best efforts, just goes fucking come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's she, like you she's know, not straight. Look, y'all, it's not like I'm expecting the fucking Disney movie from 2012, let alone the Disney movie from 2019, to give me any fucking lesbians. But like, it's the fact that like a her entire backstory involves her being in love with a man who gets killed. And then her entire role in the film is to be a love interest for fucking Fix-It Felix? It sucks. Yeah, I don't want Fix-It Felix to have a love interest. Fuck that guy. Fix-It Felix (laughs) should not fuck. That guy, he can't, he shouldn't fuck. And they get married at the end of this movie, and we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, these characters share, like, three scenes together. And, like, the moment where you know that they're falling in love is because they play a bunch of corny music and have them stare at each other lovingly. And, like, you know, it's Fix-It Felix and the giant Jane Lynch character. And so, like, it's supposed to be kind of a joke. But the movie really goes for it. Like, they end up together. They get fucking married at the end of the movie. Like, it's just... It doesn't fucking work. They don't earn it. It feels awkward and uncomfortable every time those characters interact with each other. It's it's just bad. I didn't like that shit at all. I don't like Jane Lynch in this movie. Yeah, and I I don't know if I'm willing to to go to the zone of 
it's horny when he keeps asking her to like hit him in the face <laughs> so he can fix himself and then have her hit him in the face again. And the way he says harder is just, you know, it's a little, it's a little horny. Yeah. So cut this part. Horny. Fuck this. <laughs> cut, cut this part. wreck yeah. Ralph is not horny. <laughs> Don't actually cut it. I can, I can cut it if you want. Fuck this. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. All right. All right. So, so, so we should address, I've been, I've been talking a lot of big game about how we're going to talk about Wreck-It Ralph and class politics. Um, and so, all right, let's, let's set it up from the, from the top here, right? Um, the premise of Fix-It Felix Jr. is, like, incredibly capitalist and colonialist. And it almost seems like the film is aware of this, but not quite, right? Okay, because the whole setup for Fix-It Felix is Ralph lives in the woods on a stump and then a bulldozer comes by bulldozes his trees and he gets kicked out of the forest and they build an apartment complex with a bunch of shitty rich aristocrats uh to go live in and then ralph gets rightfully pissed i would say uh comes in destroys the apartment complex and then fix it felix has to come in and and fix the building and Ralph is portrayed as the bad guy and obviously has an issue with that. And so from the start of the film, it's like, okay, there is a there is a class divide being set up within the universe of Fix-It Felix, right? Ralph literally lives in the dump. All of the, uh, the townspeople that F- Felix saves are, like, drinking martinis. They won't invite Ralph to their parties. They're fucking, like, wearing suits. They're... They're, they got sequins and chiffon and shit, you know, like it, it the coding is really obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film isn't able to pay any of that off because the film doesn't obviously, right. We're going to get to this, but it's a fucking Disney Ruby, right? It's made by liberals. Yeah. It, it is a, it is, it is a liberal product and therefore it, it is not able to actually contend with any of the themes that it's playing with because the people that are creating it don't actually have the politics to be able to follow through on what they're doing. They can set up the premise. They can recognize that this is an injustice, but they are not able to then take that and follow it through into like a satisfying conclusion that accounts for the injustices that are being made against Ralph throughout the film, right? So Right, and it's, it's not, only th- not only that, but they can't write a character in a class like Ralph's class is depicted, they can't write him accurately with the type of anger that he would actually be having. Because his anger in this movie is very much a feeling of being left out, of being, like, other, but, like... He's got big-time FOMO, basically. Yeah, he's he's got FOMO because he doesn't get invited to the cool parties that the aristocrats are going to. Yeah. Whereas... In, in a movie written by people who have lived in the type of class that he is depicted in like like a poor class in, in a in in a neighborhood like this where they're getting fucking where a bunch of Airbnbs are taking over all the houses yeah. and making everything look nice uh, and a bunch of rich people are, are coming by. He would be pissed that the rich people are there in the first place. Yeah. He wouldn't be pissed that he doesn't get to be like known as cool like like one of them yeah and then and then you know he he goes out and he goes and becomes a hero and that's the reason that he gets to be friends with everyone who was treating him like shit before um and right none of the characters who are like abusive to ralph we never see any of them apologize to him he's never like he is never given any sort of like actual like like 
reparations <laughs> for the way that he was treated by these characters throughout the film. It's just the fact that, like, he went and did a heroic thing, so now everyone likes him. And I think that ties into, like, a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast where, like, of characters being rewarded for heroic acts, being rewarded with women, being rewarded with money, being rewarded with power, and that being portrayed as, like, an unambiguously good and okay thing, rather than, like, an incredibly telling and, like, disgusting aspect of the way that we view success in our culture. Yeah, and, and too often is it, like, oh, now this character will be being, is being rewarded with, like, basic human decency. Yeah. That he should have been he should have been given no matter what like it was i mean th- this ties into vanellope obviously and we'll get mm. to that but but yeah he doesn't words about that <laughs> i got some choice fucking words about vanellope the the vanellope thing was bad enough that like even without seeing this movie i knew about it because of tumblr mm-hmm. the tumblr was was unhappy about this as early as 2013 but <laughs> yeah the both characters in this movie the obviously they they're both outcasts and they're both you know, ridiculed by their game for being other. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the conclusion for both of them is, uh, well, it's a little different for both, but in both cases, they only get treated with basic decency after they have, like, proven their worth in some in yeah. some type of way yeah so uh, um i want to yeah, we'll wanna, talk about vanellope yeah so i want to set up the vanellope thing a little bit so the the whole thing with vanellope's character is that at first, we think that she is, like, a glitch character in the game, which is cool, also, that something like that is in this game. But she's, like, a glitch character. She's not supposed to be there. She's, like, dummied out of the code, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And I really want to particularly focus on this scene uh, where she's kind of, like, she's she's in Sugar Rush, and she's kind of doing her thing. She's made her little, her little go-kart, um, and all the other Sugar Rush girls show up, and they, like, circle her. Um, and they're, like, bullying her and telling her she's a glitch and, like, mocking the way that she, like, glitches out sometimes. They're, like, imitating her. They push her into the mud. They tell her, you're never gonna be anything but a glitch and all of this shit. And I gotta say that this scene is writing some fucking minority undertones that this movie is not fucking capable of cashing. Or even, like, like ableism type of shit, too, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the way that one of the girls mocks the way Vanellope glitches sounds like somebody making fun of somebody who's mentally disabled. Um, yeah. It's, it's, that scene is really uncomfortable to watch. It's very, it's dark in a way. Like, seeing group, kids can be fucking cruel, man. And seeing a group mm-hmm. of, like, like middle school age girls just being absolutely fucking vicious like this is is rough to sit through um and and the conclusion of that arc is that at the end it turns out actually vanellope wasn't a glitch all along king candy's just the bad guy actually vanellope's supposed to be a princess uh and now all of the girls are friends with her and nice to her because she's a princess now and so none of the actual like prejudice and hatred and like the undertones of being an othered minority group that are in that scene and are kind of throughout the film, none of that is addressed. Um, none of none of the characters ever really, like, have to come to terms with any of that. It is just, oh, actually, she's a princess. She wasn't a glitch after all. So, like, you know, it was okay that you were making fun of her for being a glitch because she, she really wasn't one after all, so it's fine. Um, it's gross. It's gross. I don't like it. I, I think, it, I, I think it's... It, it's 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 an appropriation of the experience of a lot of marginalized people used to tell you a story about someone who ends up being a monarch. 
yeah, this this movie writes a big fucking check mm-hmm. that it, it is unable to cash mm-hmm. um, in, in every possible way relating to this. And the, the ending is so disappointing because the whole point, I thought that this movie would build up to something so, something where like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's okay that you that the bad guy wants to be the good guy. Maybe it's maybe the roles can change. Maybe the nature of these games can change. Uh, but what it actually turns out to be is, you know, everyone should just do their fucking job and you actually can't rise above your circumstances. What you can do is just prove your worth in some other way and hope to God that people will just be nice to you arbitrarily, even yeah. though they have no reason within the game to do so. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's, 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 it, this is like the reverse Steven universe, right? Cause it, Steven universe <laughs> totally. and this movie are both about like characters who are like predestined from birth to fulfill a specific role. And then sort of like wanting to break out of that role and go be something else, go be something better. Um, except in Steven Universe, the conclusion is, yes, you can do that. It's called an emotion and it owns. And then in Wreck-It Ralph, it's like, actually, no, you have to keep being the bad guy because that was the role that you were born to be and you're not allowed to be anything else. Yeah, like seeing him go back to that villain support group, and I didn't write this down, but like have as someone who has been to like 12-step programs and mm-hmm. support groups like this, um, I, I cringe anytime I see it depicted because it's always like, it's always played as a joke. Yeah. And um, I, I'm... I'm 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 not going to be overly critical about the way that they play this as a joke, but the problem with it is he goes back to the support group in the end, and he's at the end he's like, oh, I decided to take your guys' shitty advice from the beginning, uh, and now I'm happy because <laughs> I took the shitty advice from the guys who told me not to try to rise above my circumstances. Um, so that made me feel bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's dark. Um, yeah, I think I think that's kind of all I have to say about it. Is it's 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 a bleak worldview that this movie ends up like putting out and it's kind of it's it's kind of unsettling um so the the kind of the last thing that i want to touch on here um and this was kind of a feeling that i had throughout the film and i want to see if you kind of like resonate with this like do you resent this movie being good because it's a disney movie and fuck disney the the thing about it is i uh because cause 2012 was maybe the last time... 2012, if you remember, was the year that Disney bought Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. And they... No, I'm sorry. Yes, this was the year that they bought Lucasfilm. And they told the world that there's going to be a brand new Star Wars Episode Seven in three years. And the reaction to this was split. I remember being optimistic and thinking, you know what? There's going to be new Star Wars. That sounds chill. Um, Disney has a lot of money. They have a lot of good creative people. I remember still being optimistic about Disney in 2012. A lot of fucking shit has happened (laughs) since 2012. And I remember when I watched this movie today and I saw the little Disney intro with the, with the going up the river up to the castle. You all, you've all seen that. Mm -hmm. And thinking back in the day that this used to signify like a certain level of I don't know. Quality sounds all awfully capitalist of me to say, but you know, we all grew up on Disney shit. There was, yeah. there's that produced a feeling. And I remember getting that feeling this morning and thinking, Oh man, I haven't had that feeling in so fucking long. 
Like, Disney sucks so fucking bad. And also, Star Wars is insufferable. And I <laughs> hate Star Wars now. I mean... And it's Disney's fucking fault. <laughs> I mean, okay. You know, like... So, the, the main thing for me is, like, between 2012 and now, I developed class consciousness, first of all. Um, yeah, for sure. Sure. So, like, my, my I have a resentment for Disney that just expands out to the fact that they represent just the absolute worst parts about capitalism in a lot of ways. hundred fucking percent. Agreed. Um, and, and part of it is that this movie, it, you know, again, the messages being preached by this film are very liberal. They're very neoliberal concepts. They're very capitalist concepts that are being sort of portrayed as virtues in this film. Um, yeah. But it's also like, it's the fact that I know that these people are fucking story scientists. It's the fact that yes. I know that these people are like fucking sci child psychologists. Okay, like there's a part, mm -hmm. there's a part in this movie where like you know Ralph and Penelope becomes friends. They're gonna build a go kart together. They put a go kart together. They they learn how to race together. They form a bond, right? And then Ralph has to destroy the go kart for plot reasons, and it's really sad. And I can just picture a Disney exec executive going, ah, yes, we'll have these characters form a bond and build something together, and then we'll destroy it in front of you so you feel an emotion and you feel really bad. Like, it feels, it feels calculated. This film feels like they know, and I know this about Disney because there are fucking, you can see, like, Pixar has put out, like, storytelling Bibles that are just like, yeah, all our stories basically work like this because we know that they get the maximum emotional response, which will result in the maximum amount of money being given to the film. And, like, that's what this movie is, right? Yep. It is cold. It is calculating. It is, you know, you see them, right? made by Ralph and Vanellope on the go-kart, and you feel something, but you're also like, man, fuck you, Disney. These people aren't real. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's the him destroying the go kart is like sad porn created to make children cry on purpose, <laughs> and it's so and honest, dude. it and when once you see once you see one Disney movie that has the this is the sad porn to make the children cry moments, you kind of start you 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 start you you've seen the Matrix at that point, and it's every one of their movies. Yeah. Frozen has a moment almost identical to this. Uh, they they all do. I don't have to name the movies. They yeah, all you've have seen them. This moment. Yeah, it's it's. I like this movie, but there is there is a dark, unsettling undertone to it that I found very uncomfortable on this watch yeah. through for sure. The the thing that saves this movie uh, from from being you know bad for reasons just stated and reasons stated earlier is the fact that the performances are so good and mm. the fact that the the writing the moment to moment writing is so sharp and so fun and. Uh, you, you know the jokes are good enough that you excuse the bad politics and they, the joke damn they made cuba cubert look good ah uh, we didn't bring up friend of the show cubert <laughs> cubert does not fuck once in this movie cubert <laughs> that's a throwback is, right there episode <laughs> eight baby god was that really episode eight? Oh my god it's been 40 weeks since cubert fucked we've we've, we've been through a lot with this podcast, Girls and Gays, and I appreciate you sticking with us thus far. <laughs> what are we watching next week, Mark? Um, are the Girls and Gays going to stick with us when we talk about uh, Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase Let's by popular demand? <laughs> so I, I put so out... So Alex... <laughs> yeah. Put, <laughs> she so put I, out a poll, <laughs> a cursed, cursed poll on the Twitter uh, to ask you guys um, if Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase is a 
is a video game movie. I don't want to watch any of these Scooby-Doo reboot movies. They're so scary looking. Have you seen the the way that he looks in these movies? It's creepy. Um, so, so yeah, so, all right. Oh, this is an animated movie. Oh. Yes. This is not, this is not one of the... Oh, this is not God. one of the ones from the mid two thousands where uh, fucking Sarah Michelle Gellar is in it and Scrappy oh, Doo so is, a, is controlling a robot Brendan Fraser. This is not. This is not <laughs> one of those films. Um, okay. This is so 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 so. It is the fiftieth anniversary of Scooby Doo as of Friday, uh, and I thought it would be nice to honor that by doing an episode about Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase. Now here are the arguments against this being a video game movie. One, they go into the internet and not into a video game. Two, there is technically a video game involved in the plot, but it is like mostly inconsequential. Now here's the arguments in favor of Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase being a video game movie. I wanna watch Scooby-Doo. So we're going to watch Scooby-Doo. This is a 2001 direct-to-video animated comedy science fiction mystery film, according to Wikipedia, and the fourth in a series of direct-to-video animated films based on Hanna-Barbera's Scooby-Doo. I'm very much looking forward to this. I think I watched this within the past five years, and it wasn't good. So... Um, I, is, is the, is the 50th anniversary of Scooby-Doo close enough that we can replace Columbus Day with it? Like, we no longer celebrate <laughs> Columbus Day now. Now we celebrate Scooby-Doo anniversaries. God, if only. If only. Yeah. Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? We need to end this. This needs to stop. The, the podcast, I, in general, I agree. Um, <laughs> sure, we, uh, we say that every week. <laughs> we, we are at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. Um, we have a Discord uh, I posted some very cursed posts in the Discord today. Um, I, I just read it. <laughs> um, find us on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud uh, or any other podcast app. We show up in most of those. Uh, you can rate us. I just did. I realized that I hadn't uh, done it on my iTunes account, so I gave us I gave us five stars. I think it's a good podcast. That's collusion, Mark. You can't do that. <laughs> well, you know what? Arrest me. <laughs> Go ahead and try. You'll never find me. Uh, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Um, I, I said the exact same thing last week, but it's really fucking hot in this corner of the house where I record this. Um, I need to drink water and and take uh, 12 showers. For me, it was Tuesday. <laughs>Oh, okay, we're recording again because I need to talk about Owl City. Um, <laughs> I've come, I've come around on the song. It's a banger again. Um, it's when can I see you again? Right? Is that's the one? That yeah. Music? Lo- look up the song. When can I see you again? And just tell me it doesn't sound like just glorious 2012 pop EDM at at its height. Um, I don't know why I'm nostalgic for this shit. Maybe it's because on the way home from my parents' house today, uh, we listened to a whole bunch of Kesha songs, <laughs> and they hold up so fucking well. Um, but something about early 2010s EDM, it has captured my heart. Um, uh, Adam Young, I forgive you for all of your crimes. Um, yeah, you did say, I good. hate Owl City last week. <laughs>
<laughs> Which was a, like a condemnation of someone you claim to like and think is a genius. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him a genius, but he he has a mind for <laughs> pop songs that I, as a pop connoisseur, um, deeply, deeply respect. Um, uh, everyone go listen to his first EP ever as Owl City. It's called Of June of june and it's a very good i think it's on spotify anyway that, that's that's all bye we need to stop podcasting now i think it's, it's the present yeah got it out i'm gonna stop Sorry. recording